This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I just had a great hunt, took the biggest buck of my life, and today I want to give you three tips for early season success. Hey, this is George back with the New Hunters Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. And today I want to talk to you about three tips for early season success. How to be effective in the early season. And these three tips all boil down to the same root word. They really do the same root word and that is preparation. Preparation. I remember my my father-in-law telling me again and again how preparation is the unfair advantage. Preparation gives you advantages, gives you tactical advantage, gives you battlefield advantage, gives you strategic advantage, gives you intel advantage that you just can't get any other way. You just can't do it. Being prepared is the single most important thing that you can do for to be more successful as a deer hunter. And just you know, the day before I'm recording this, it'll be a few days after this recorded recording airs, but just a few days ago from when you're listening to this, I took a great early season buck, I think the biggest buck I've ever taken so far, and it was just awesome. It was a great hunt. Um, I'm going to tell you the story. It's a short one, and then I'm going to give you the three tips. So I got out, I was a Saturday, and it was, uh, weather had just dropped a couple days beforehand, so it was cooler, and I was heading out to go hunting for an evening sit, and uh, I was a little bit delayed in getting out of the house, you know, when you have a six-year-old and life happening, sometimes you can't always get out of the house at 2 or 2.30 when you're planning to, but I got out of the house, drove down to, to my spot. Made it into my spot, landed there about 3.30. I'm sitting in my chair, all right? That, this particular day, I was hunting out of a ground blind that was up on a hill. 
So it was it was like a mix between a ground blind and a tree stand kind of setup, but overlooking a very small 16th of an acre or so clover patch. And I'm sitting there, it's a good spot, and I'm waiting, just getting settled in. Four o'clock, maybe even a couple minutes before, I had been there, oh, all of 25 minutes. I see a deer just coming through the brush down a trail, about to walk right out into the middle of this clover patch, broadside at 30 yards. And he stopped and had a little little window. I could see the antlers. I could see him. I could see the vitals. I waited a moment just to see if he was going to step out into the open, and he put his head down and uh, was taking a few bites, and I thought, you know what? Head down. Good shot. Why wait? So let the arrow fly. It was perfect. Double lung shot went right throughout the other side. Of course, I didn't know that till later because I couldn't find the arrow. But uh, short track, found the deer maybe 50 yards, if that. Yeah, maybe about 50 yards from where I shot him. Um, couldn't have done me a bigger favor. He ran straight towards the road, towards the, well, actually, it's a gas line access road. He ran straight towards that, collapsed maybe 15 yards from that. Uh, easiest extraction in history. It was a beautiful hunt. It was over in all of 25 minutes. And, uh, you know, super excited, super thrilled. And, you know, people say like, oh, wow, it's like you just, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Like, how do you, how'd you do that? You just showed up, boom, buck walks out, shot it, go home. You know, how'd, how'd you, how'd you pull that off? Well, there's three tips. There's three big things. Now, last year, did the same thing, except last year it was on opening day. And uh, there's a whole nother story here about opening day that I'm not going to get into on this episode. But uh, I had another buck step out on opening day that I did shoot at and did not recover even after searching all night. Um, that deer may may not even have died. It You know, it's hard to say. But uh, so we had a really sad opening day. Um, and opening night, opening night was actually the sad part, but you know, that afternoon deer walked out first deer of the season with a good buck shot at it. Didn't take it home. Entirely my fault. 15 yard shot, botched the shot at the last moment. Huh. Like I said, still not even sure if that deer survived. He, he may very well have made it might shoot him next year. Anything could happen and things like that have happened. So the second sit out, which was a week later, took me a while to recover from that. Just, you know, physically, emotionally, you know, if you're out, you know, through the middle of the night searching for a deer with spotlights and trudging through the woods till you can't stand up straight anymore, takes a lot out of you physically. But then there's the, there's the other weight and difficulty that goes along with it. But that sad story and the lessons learned from it is another episode for another day. But the bottom line is, first sit of the year, deer walks out, shot it. Second sit of the year, week later, deer walks out after 25 minutes, shot it. Took that one home. You guys can find a picture. I'll put it on in the show notes of this episode, newhuntersguide.com. Last year, opening day of the season, nice buck walks out, shot it, took it home. Season before that was not opening day because I only hunted the morning of opening day, but the first evening sit 
in my best spot, deer walks out, buck shot it, took it home maybe October 7th or so. And so people say, well, you know, how do you get this kind of luck? It's not luck. It's in no way, shape, or form luck. It's preparation. It's the unfair advantage. So the three tips here. Number one, you have the whole summer to scout. You've got the whole summer to scout. We're talking about early season. The data and the intel that you gain from the summer is often, maybe not in every part of the country, but in most places, whatever the deer are doing in July and August, they're still going to be doing in September. So you're able to tap into the intel that you can gain from their summer patterns. And of course, one of the best ways to scout for deer in the summer is with trail cameras. It is hot, muggy, and miserable, and let some electronics do the work for you. And you've got that trail camera out there, and you find out where those deer are. You know, if you set up a trail cam and it runs for three weeks and you've got no bucks, move that trail camera if you're get, looking for early season success. Because in the early season, the deer are going to be in the areas where they've been throughout the, the, the middle and the end of the summer. Because the until you get that first frost, until habitat changes, until hormones start to kick in, they're still going to be in their summer patterns, which is my favorite time of the year to hunt bucks. Um, because I have a lot of extra time in the summer. Um, you know, I'm able to change my work schedule in the summertime to have, you know, half a day a week that I can be outside and be out doing things and, you know, just get out there and, and, and do all sorts of stuff. And so I can scout better. I can learn more through the summertime in order to figure out where those deer are. Number two tip. Okay. You got to find the deer. Number two tip, pick and set up the battlefield pick and set up the battlefield. So if you're, if you're using the summertime to figure out where the deer are, use that time also to pick the battlefield and to set up the battlefield. So where I was hunting is a 16th of an acre, roughly. Maybe, maybe it's a little bigger than that, um, but it's definitely not a 10th of an acre. It's about a 16th of an acre of clover. And that clover was there because I planted it there. And I used a weed whacker to just burn down all the vegetation down to the dirt, created bare dirt with the weed whacker, and then seeded down clover and did everything else you need to do to help make clover successful. I've talked about that on previous episodes. And so got that patch established in an area that was already a deer hotspot. It was already a deer hotspot. It's not like I just created some area that now deer wanted to be. Deer were already in that area regularly. It was the, the topography, the terrain, the cover. They were already coming through that area on a regular basis. So what I did was I stacked the deck in my favor and I planted some clover. I planted, I don't know, $10 worth of clover seed. Now, at the end of the day, these kind of projects always end up costing more than that because I had to buy a hand spreader because I didn't have one. I had to buy gas and parts for the weed whacker because I used a lot of it and string and all those things. Ended up buying lime because the soil 
pH wasn't quite quite at the best place for clover. Ended up buying a bag of fertilizer for, you know, $15 bag, lasts for two years <laughs> on that size plot, you know, and all the little things that go along with that, the upkeep and the maintenance. But I mean, we're talking, I mean, spending next to nothing in the world of hunting, especially since clover grows back every year and you're able to keep hunting over it. And now I spend, you know, an afternoon a year doing maintenance on it and, and just, you know, something about that much time. So I stack the deck. I, I, I created additional draw in the area, set up a mock scrape. Just a hanging vine as a licking branch to be a focal point so that when deer walk through there, they're going to stop and lick that and smell that a lot of the time. Most of the time a deer comes through that that trail into the middle of that clover patch, he or she is going to stop and, and take a moment and sniff or lick or rub their antlers or rub their head on that branch. So that creates a focal point. And, you know, they're doing that here within bow range as opposed to, you know, another 20 yards further away where they might have walked and never come close enough. This gives them a reason to come within range. So I stack the deck. I set up my blind early. In fact, I last year I just left it up. I never even took it down. So let the brush and the weeds grow up around it to hide the blind. And, you know doing all of those things, preparation, getting ready. Now, that's not the only spot that I have that I hunt. I've got four four stands or blinds set up across two properties where I hunt, but that particular spot is just ripe for bucks year after year. And so I did all the things that you need to do and got all that in order. The third tip, preparation got there early all right for an evening hunt in september you know it doesn't get dark until eight most people aren't coming out to their stand or to their blind until about five so i was there at 3 30 wanted to be there at three that was my target i was running a little bit late but because i was running late to be extra early i ended up just being regular early and so i got there at 3 30 set up and at four o'clock deer walks out shot him tracked him he was down in seconds took him home it was beautiful but it's easy for people to think well that just happens you're just lucky you know you, you've got an unfair situation and and guys the answer to that is no the only thing unfair is that if I prepared and someone else didn't prepare. I've invested time, I invested energy, I invested a little bit of money. But all of this works, doesn't matter where you're hunting. If it's private land, if it's public land, you need to find the deer. Where do the deer spend their summer? Well, you're going to identify what draws the deer in those areas. If it's private land and you're able to sweeten the pot and you're able to plant some clover or, or whatever you want to plant, it's good for your area to, to make it a little sweeter. But if you want to put in a licking branch, if you want to put in a water hole, if you want to do other things, whatever you're able to do. But even on public land, okay, you can't put in food sources, so you have to find food sources. 
And here's here's the thing that I think is what messes up a lot of hunters. They see people that have private land, or in my case, are able to to hunt on the the, the 12-acre parcel that their father-in-law has um, and things like that. And they're like, well, you know, they've got private land and, you know, that's an advantage that they have that I don't have. Well, here's the thing. I hunted on that same piece of private land with those super advantages for three years before I shot a deer. And then, man, it was so hard to get a deer on that property. Why? Because I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't investing time in the off season. I didn't know where the deer were. I didn't know what parts of the property they used and what parts they didn't use. I didn't know what the best parts were. I didn't know anything about trying to sweeten those parts. I just was figured, hey, this is a good tree stand. I can see for a fair distance from sitting here. We'll set that up and we'll, we'll hunt deer. Or I'll just lean against this tree or, hey, here's a deer path and I'll just sit here on the path. And what I didn't know is that Deer aren't using those areas at that time of the year. I didn't know that deer didn't like those areas much at all, but they would use other areas. And so once I began to change my philosophy and my approach, that pretty much dry, barren, empty property that nobody would want to hunt on became super productive. But it took time, it took work. It takes work every year even still. But initially it took a lot of time and work to prepare, to find the right spot, to figure out how to hunt that spot. I'm a tree stand hunter. I hated hunting blinds. But the only place to hunt the right spot on this property was with a hunting blind. There were just no trees in that area that, that had the strength to support a stand. Or if they did, they didn't have the view, the view that you would need to actually shoot something. Or you'd have to walk through your hunting area to access it. So I said, okay, fine. If I need a blind to be able to hunt the, the, the choice spot, I'll get a blind. Not that blinds are any more expensive than tree stands at the end of the day. In fact, they might end up being cheaper if you factor you need ladders and steps and things to hang stuff and a blind sort of a one-stop shop. But I had to change the way I was thinking. I had to change the way I was hunting. And so people do this on private land and then people think, oh, well, they have an unfair advantage. They do have an unfair advantage. They prepared and you didn't. And on public land, you have to invest the same time and energy to find the spots, just like you do on private land. On private land, you then invest more energy to create things to sweeten the spot. Whereas on public land, you invest that extra energy and time in finding the sweet spots that are already there. And oftentimes... If you identify a good early season spot on public land with good food sources that bucks like, with the right cover for early season bucks, they will be there every early season with, with some variation, but they will very likely be there every early season. Every September and early October, they will be using those areas because they're naturally good areas. But you won't find those areas if you just sit back and complain and say, well, I don't have private land, so people that do have private land have an unfair advantage. Well, if you invested the same amount of time that those people did and the same amount of energy that those people did on public land, you would, you would find 
just same, you would have the exact same advantage. Except you might have to trade a little more time for a little less money. Because you probably can't spend as much money on the public land because there's less you can do. But then if you convert that money to time, then you can come out ahead on that, but you might need a little more time. That said, trail cameras. That's one of the wets, a force multiplier for public land scouting. You can get a handful of good trail cameras or even decent trail or even just flat, lousy trail cameras that'll work a season or two. Then you can make some great progress. I've got one trail camera, guys. I don't know the brand. I, I, I bought it off Amazon something like five years ago for $50 after Christmas. And it has had five full years in the woods. And this thing's a trooper. I mean, this thing just keeps working. It's unbelievable. I don't move it anymore. I keep leaving it in the same spot because I don't want to risk it. But it just keeps on working. You just put batteries in it, it keeps taking pictures. Now I've had a pile of other broken trail cameras. But every now and then you find some cheap ones that'll last. And... You know, work those. Get those in the woods. Do what you can do. If you want to be a better public land hunter, you need more time and you need potentially more trail cameras in the woods in order to, to build up that intel. And you got to be willing to go a little further to get off the beaten trail or to find places that maybe they're close, but they're not, they don't appear promising. And so no one else hunts them. And sometimes those are the best spots because the deer are safe there. They're not used to any early season pressure. Maybe rifle season comes along and then, you know, they get spooked out of there. But maybe in the early season, there's enough cover. So the three tips, it's all preparation, preparation, preparation. All right. Prepare throughout the summer. Learn where the deer are. Do what you can to, to the spot, to the area. Um, you know, get trail cameras out there so you can confirm what's going on and who's around and better yet, what time's around. For years, I hunted that same spot and never shot a buck. I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong, but I always hunted it in the morning. I hunted it in the morning every year. And I might get a doe, but I never got a buck there in the morning. In fact, to this day, I have never shot a buck on that property in the morning. But in the evening, there's a really good chance of seeing or taking a buck on that property on the early season. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, that's great advice. Wish I would have gotten that in May. Uh, you know, what can I do now that the early season has just started or is about to start, depending on where you live and hunt? Well, here's the thing. Preparation starts when you begin to prepare. You know, maybe you didn't have the ability to, to do that all summer, but wherever you are now, you can prepare. You can scout. You can find spots and locations. Yes, it would have been better to invest the time earlier, but you can still make progress now. This is the early season, which means you still have the whole season right? Whatever you gain, whatever you learn, whatever you do now, you know, what does it take to set up a mock scrape? It takes 15 minutes and a knife, maybe a three-step ladder just to get a little more altitude, takes a piece of string. I've done entire episodes on it. I even did a video showing you exactly how to do it and set it up on the YouTube channel. You can check that out. But 
you know, some of these things you can, you know, if you just do it a, a week in advance, it can have an impact. You know, a water hole, now yeah, it may be a little late to dig up and set in a water hole. However, you know, if it's if it's October 1st and you put in a water hole, you can expect that to be making a difference by the time the rut comes along. And you've got bucks that are cruising and covering a lot of ground and they weren't really drinking out of water holes before. They weren't drinking out of streams before. They were getting all the moisture that they needed just from the green vegetation that they ate. But green vegetation's on the decline. Buck energy consumption is way up. Sweating is way up. Just covering ground is way up. So now they need to drink. They need water more than they did even in the summertime. You can, you can have an impact on that right now. It's never, it's never a bad time to get trail cameras in the woods. I keep my trail cameras up year round. I don't even take them in anymore just because I want to see what the habitat patterns and movements are around the clock, around the calendar. Um, even on ones that I don't care about, I, I just won't replace the batteries. They die, they die. And then when I'm getting ready for the next season, then I'll, I'll replace them and get them in. But get your boots in the woods. You got to get into the woods. That's how you prepare. Public land private land, whatever it is, get out there, find spots, scout spots, start looking for rubs and scrapes. Those are going to start popping up here real quick. In fact, you're, you're, you, you could not have done that any earlier. That's just, that kind of behavior doesn't really start happening until around this time. So you can get out right now. You can start preparing. You can start scouting. Um, do what you can do. You know, a lot of guys have pioneered some great ways to hunt light on public land. Tree saddles, for example. You know, phenomenal piece of technology that some people really like, but they're light, they're easier to set up than a climbing stand or a hanging stand. And then you can, you can find a good spot and hunt it the same day. You could find a good spot, pick your tree, and then come back on the, you know, two days from now or whatever it is you want to hunt there. And you're able to do things that a couple years ago would have been really hard to do. But, you know, they make some ground blinds now that you can just carry with you. They're light enough. They're compact enough. You can just walk in, set up a single person ground blind. Doesn't weigh much at all. Just try to find some brush, brush it in, and then hunt out of it same day. You know, better, I think, to do it a couple weeks in advance, but on public land and depending on where you're going and scouting, it may be better. You walk it in, you find fresh sign all over the place. Deer here. Hey, there's an apple tree right now dropping apples. There's apples on the ground. There's deer pellets on the ground. There's footprints everywhere. You know what? By dark, there are probably going to be deer there eating those apples. Just saying. And so you set up right then and there, get in a tree, find a place for your blind, do whatever you need to do, but you got to spend time in the woods scouting. You, in, you know, a lot of times people just go in blind and maybe they get lucky. Maybe one out of half a dozen hunts, they see a deer or they shoot a deer. You know, I, I like my odds to be better than that. I, I, I just, I need the odds to be better than that. So I work throughout the off season to do everything I can do so that when it's time to hunt, I can go out every day and have a reasonable expectation of seeing some bucks. I may not get one every time or 
It might not be within range or whatever the case may be, but I know if I hunt this spot, chances are really good. Um, in fact, better than anywhere else because I have looked elsewhere and haven't found anything better. And I know from my experience that this area has the deer. I know when they're here. I can see the habitat. I know what's going on. And so you got to prepare. It's never too late to prepare. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. It's too late to prepare once you're already there. But it's never too late to start preparing for the next hunt. You know, you're you're limited in what you can do preparation-wise for the future for what's happened in the past. But just keep that in mind. I really hope this is helpful for you guys. Check out the website, newhuntersguide.com. Till next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.